Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Evelyn. Can I ask you a question? You got a moment? Mm-hmm. Which team do you play for? Well, I- I'm a peach. Well, I was just wondering, because I couldn't figure out why you would throw home when we've got a two-run lead. You let the tying run get on second, and we lost the lead because of you. Now you start using your head. That's not love that's three feet above your ass! (laughs) Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying! There's no crying in baseball! Why don't you leave her alone, Jimmy? Oh, you zip it, Doris! Rogers Hornsby was my manager, and he called me a talking pile of pink And that was when my parents drove all the way down from Michigan to see me play the game! And did I cry? No! No! And you know why? No. Because there's no crying in baseball. It's time for Hit and Run with your host, Matt Spiegel. Good morning, baseball people. Happy Sunday to you. Happy Mother's Day to you. Hope you are safe. Hope you are mostly sane. That being as big a challenge as safe these days. Hope you're feeling healthy and well. Hope you have already by now reached out to the mothers in your life and wish them a happy Mother's Day because, you know, it's time to get on with the rest of your day. Look, if you haven't, wait till the first break. Don't miss any content or, um, you know, wait till after the show if you can at this point. But hopefully by nine, you've reached out to those that matter, maybe presented some cards, a little coffee in bed, perhaps some breakfast in bed. Um, my gift was only mildly well-received. I was very, very close, but my flowers were on point, absolutely on point with the flowers. So I feel good about that little high five. Um, good morning to you. There's lots of baseball news. There's lots of baseball conversation coming. We've got details on what the owners are going to hear from the commissioner in a call scheduled for tomorrow. And then what the owners may indeed proposed to the players in a call scheduled for Tuesday, tentatively scheduled at this point. The Players Association, they had a leadership council call on Friday. So all the different, um, all the different team leaders, the team representatives from the association had a call on Friday, an executive board member conference call because they're anticipating discussions with the league happening this week. So they're all getting ready to talk. 
So the bleep is getting ready to hit the fan in terms of negotiations, and we'll see if anyone's going to buckle, anyone's going to fight, who's going to be willing to take the PR hit of fighting over dollars while, what, 20 million of us are unemployed, 25 million are unemployed, while businesses are taking massive hits, companies scrambling and struggling to keep their doors open, executives taking pay cuts, the MLB draft getting shortened from 40 rounds to five. Will the players be willing to stand strong and come off like they are fighting? I think uh, I think they are. Who's go- who's it going to look worse for? I think that's that's kind of what what's going to happen here with the negotiations. I hope that isn't the story. By the time we get to the middle of the week, I hope we're not sitting here talking about the ugliness of the negotiations. But I do indeed have my fears. Uh, We'll talk about that in a little bit. We're going to talk about the Korean baseball organization, which debuted this past week, and what that feels like, what that sounds like, and what kind of glimpse it gives us into the fanlessness of our near future in regards to Major League Baseball. And then we got a bunch of guests that I'm looking forward to talking to. Jim Callis um, is going to join us from MLB Pipeline at 10 o'clock, and we'll talk about this draft. We'll talk about what this means what it will mean for the future, what it means immediately, what's going to happen to the 1,050 young ballplayers who will not be drafted this year, who would have been drafted. Think about that. More than 1,000 ballplayers in rounds 6 through 40 will not be drafted. Will they sign for the maximum of $20,000 in terms of a bonus? How does that differ from what they've had in the past? Will they all go to college? Will some of them go back to college? Will some of them just, just quit and move on with their lives. Interesting piece by Keith Law this week uh, in The Athletic talking about the draft. And he mentions Paul Goldschmidt was, what, a seventh-round pick, eighth-round pick, something like that. In this, If that were this year and Goldschmidt doesn't get drafted, does he just – does he go play in the independent league somewhere? Does he, um, does he just kind of say, you know what, I guess I'm not good enough. I'll just move on. I'll just move on. I'll go do something else. We're dealing with Paul Goldschmidt, the accountant, as uh, opposed to Paul Goldschmidt, the first base player. I, I hate this five-round draft and the message that it sends to young players, the message that it sends to the league. We'll talk about that with Jim Callis at 10. Paul Sullivan, the baseball Bigfoot over at the Tribune, a man with uh, tremendous respect for baseball journalism and for the history of baseball journalism in this town, wrote a piece on Michael Jordan's baseball adventure that is as interesting to me journalistically as it is, um, you know, Jordan-wise. But, I, I mean, I can't wait for The Last Dance tonight. Episodes 7 and 8, I'm told there's a lot of baseball in one of these episodes tonight. So we'll talk about that with Sully at 1040. At 11 o'clock, my kind of guest, it's Scott Radinsky. Very, very good left-handed reliever for the White Sox and then the Dodgers. A guy who recovered from, from lymphoma and from Tommy John surgery during his career, and all the while before, during, and after, has been a punk rock lead singer um, in the respected Oxnard, California punk rock scene. So, uh, and we're going to talk to Scott Radinsky at 11 o'clock. Really looking forward to that. And our guy Chris Kampka will help wrap things up at 11.40, the Sultan of Stat from NBC Sports Chicago. But it is Mother's Day, and I want to give you an opportunity immediately, immediately, to talk about your moms in baseball because moms have a huge impact on our lives in terms of baseball, don't they? 
I think they probably have for you. I know they have. I want to hear from you guys about Mother's Day and baseball, what the combination means, what the correlation means. And I'm not just talking about like stuff that happens on the field, like Javier Baez hitting a walk-off home run, Bill Hall hitting a walk-off home run for the Orioles, Dallas Braden throwing a perfect game, Dave Kingman hitting three homers and driving in seven in 1978, prompting Tommy Lasorda to tell you what he thought of his performance. What's my opinion of his performance? Now, all of that is Mother's Day on the field, but I'm talking about Mother's Day off the field. I'm talking about your moms and the importance they might have had to your baseball life. 312-644-6767. My mom, who's been gone since, God, 1997? 96? I should know. I think it's 97. Um, She had to answer a quiz, much like the movie Diner, where one of the characters has uh, his prospective wife have to answer a sports trivia quiz, a baseball trivia quiz. It's such a great movie, Barry Levinson's early stuff. Um, my mom, my dad likes to joke, had to answer a quiz, and she still would throw some of those trivia questions at me. I will never forget the last National Leaguer to hit 400 because it was Bill Terry for the Giants in 1931, because my mom knew that. That was one of her trivia questions she had in the back pocket, ready to break out. And she, she liked baseball. She didn't love it like my dad, but she liked it an awful lot. And she put up with it. I'll tell you what my mom put up with is a house that constantly had classical music playing and a baseball game on the TV with the sound off. That's my childhood right there. It's like opera blaring in the house with baseball on the TV and no sound. That combination was my life. But my mom also very much a part of uh, first trips to the ballpark and enabling me to go out and play. But I want to hear your stories at 670-11 via text and via the phone at 312-644-6767. We're going to talk about this hour, the KBO. We're going to talk about this plan as uh, Kenny Rosenthal has mapped it out. But I want to mix in and sprinkle in your stories of your mother and baseball. So many great ones around the game. Christian Yelich tells the great story. He wrote about it in the Players' Tribune a year or two ago that when he was seven years old, he had been hit by a pitch three or four games in a row. And he's standing at first base at age seven, standing at first base, deciding, you know what? I'm done with baseball. I'm done. And so the next day, when it was time to leave for the game, his mom found Christian in his room, arms folded, his uniform sitting on the dresser, refusing to go. And she convinced him to play. She said, no, come on, you can do better. It won't hurt as much. You're good at this. You have fun. Let's go do it. And Christian Yelich says, I was pretty much over the whole baseball thing at that point. I was going to play football or basketball. I was out. But after that, when his mom convinced him to go play, everything changed for some reason. And here we are talking to you guys. Yelich says, without his mom, he wouldn't have made it here. It's a good lesson about what can happen if you stick with something. Doesn't all come easy. I'm thankful that she made me finish out my commitment, basically. That's the biggest message. Don't quit. I think about it sometimes. I don't know what I would be doing if I didn't get in that car that day. So we have Christian Yelich's mom to thank for his excellence in MLB and his torture of the Cubs as a member of the Brewers as well. 
How about CeCe Sabathia's story? CeCe Sabathia's mother was a fast-pitch softball player, and she went to all of CeCe's Little League games. But more than that, she used to put on the catcher's gear and catch CeCe Sabathia in the backyard in Vallejo, California. CeCe says, she probably caught me from the time I was seven or eight until the time I was 13. My dad had built me a mound, but he was always off working. It'd be just me and her. She would put on full gear. I'd get up there and throw games. Big little CeCe, or little big CeCe, pitching to his mom. And uh, that was the arrangement. That's what they had as a battery, a son-mother battery that continued until one afternoon when Sabathia, as a teenager, reared back and fired a fastball. I kind of threw one a little hard. It caught her in the palm, and that was it, Sabathia said with a laugh. She got up and moved on. Moved on. Love that. 670-11 is how you text, and you can dial it up right now and get involved at 312-644-6767. I want to hear your Mother's Day baseball stories. Let's go to the phones right away. This is Terry in Moments. Terry is on 670 to score. Good morning, Terry. Happy Mother's Day to hey, you and to yours. What's going on? You know what? Thank you very much because I raised my kids alone. So, yeah, I'm a mother today. So, you know. Nice. Um, You're everything. My, 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 it wasn't my mom, Matt. It was my grandmother. Um, she was a huge White Sox fan. I mean, ginormous White Sox fan. And um, when my marriage dissolved, I spent two weeks staying with her while I was securing other places to live, you know. And we would watch the White Sox, and and this was 94. And she would spend hours telling me about how she doesn't like the way they're pitching to Frank Thomas. He needs to open his stance up and step a little farther back <laughs> into the box. <laughs> yeah, when, and was she right? Not so she bad. was right, yeah, because he did a couple seasons later, and his average went back up to where it belongs. You know, oh, you think as so? they age, they adapt. So she was on the case. She was on the case. So you'd think about you and your oh, grandma. Yeah. So you're thinking about that this morning, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and you know, she was a huge fan of the hawk. She loved the hawk. That was, but he was her age group, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, she remembers when he was when he was young and dashing and wearing that that those crazy hats and the sunglasses and the boots and he was a fashion icon. That Hawk Harold. Hanging out hanging out with Yaz, yes. Yeah, yes, exactly. Thank you, Terry, for the call. Terry gets us started with your Mother's Day baseball memories. Want to hear your stories of your mom's involvement in your baseball life. This is Tom in McHenry. Tom, you're on 670 to score. Good morning. Welcome to Hey, how you doing today? I'm great. Uh, yeah, I had to call. I had to call. Uh, my, my mom passed at 96 in 2015, the year before the World Series. But she was a Cub fan for 80 years. I have her dying Cub fans uh, card, and it says member since 1929. So it goes back to when she was milking cows on the farm. Oh, but anyway, so she she was also a Vineline subscriber for a number of years, <laughs> and I've, I I took her to numerous games over the over the years. Uh, we, we, I had her I had the whole series of tickets up in Milwaukee. When, uh, I had her at the Brant Brown game, and then uh, I took her to Ryan Sandberg Appreciation Day and things like that. You know, yeah. so I actually got her back to Wrigley. It was a battle. She was ninety four. I actually got her back in Wrigley one last time. 
But um, when it came to uh, Cubs uh, rookies, I have a I have a sports network of friends, you know. But when it came to Cubs rookies, I didn't call my buddies. I would call my mom up because she knew everything about the rookies from the Vine Line uh, magazine. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So she, anyway, uh, she yeah. died the year before the World Series. So. Wow. Anyway, well, she, so I had to call. She, she saw it through you, Tom. She experienced it with you, man. Yeah, and what happened? She was actually a Wisconsin farm girl. Mm-hmm. Um, but when she came to Chicago during the Depression, you know, she had to find work. So she actually went to the South Side first. And some of my mom's memorabilia, she actually liked the White Sox quite a bit in the 50s. But when she died, you know, we're going through her stuff, and I found ticket stubs, 1950, 1951, 52. Opening day White Sox, box seats, two bucks. Yeah, there you go. There you go. You're right. So she, so I she went in. And I checked. Yeah, and I got, I got White Sox friends I got to deal with. And uh, I text them. Yeah, and I, I text them stuff like that. I show them the ticket. Uh, but uh, we go at it all the time. Uh, Tom, I'm sorry for your loss a few years back. And I, uh, thanks for calling. I love that your mom was the source for rookie information because she always read Vine Line. So Tom would be sitting there watching the game. Who's this Tyler Colvin kid? What's this kid about? Hang on. Let me ask my mom. That's beautiful. 312-644-6767. You want to hop on. Tell me your Mother's Day story regarding your mom and baseball. As we say, happy Mother's Day all morning long right here on Hit and Run on 670, the score. You can text it to us as well at 6711. I'm seeing your text, and you can tweet at me at Matt Spiegel 670 as well. I love this story from Terry Francona that he tells about when he was 10 or 11, they used to, um, at this gas station, the Phillips 66 gas station, they used to have this thing, Terry said, called the Pitch Hit and Run Contest. It's kind of like punt, pass, and kick, and you had to throw a baseball into a net, like from a mound. You had five throws to get the ball into the net. You threw the ball up and hit it. You did a couple different things. And Tito Francona's dad, Tito Francona, was a major league ball player. He was not around. But his mom knew Terry wanted to do it, wanted to be involved. His mom got a bucket, put cement in it, and we put a fishing net in it, says Terry. And he practiced for months on his own because his mom could not catch to save her life. She tried to catch. She could not. So he just practiced on his own. Him, Terry in the bucket. Okay. And he says that he and his mom go down there to the, the, the Phillips 66 and they're sitting in the front row getting ready for it. All the dads are there telling their sons, get your arms up and all this stuff. Like, you know, I'm giving instruction. And the competition starts. And little Terry Francona beats everybody's butt. He just dominates. But then they realize that his dad was a major league ball player, and they disqualify him. They disqualify little Terry. And he says his mom was so upset. She was so upset because he hadn't seen his dad in three months. Dad was gone (laughs) playing baseball. He hadn't seen his dad in three months. But he was disqualified because dad, because they all thought dad was sitting around giving him instruction. He said his mom was so, so pissed. 
And Terry said, look, there was a disclaimer. I'm not sure why it mattered. I hadn't seen my dad in three months. I was heartbroken. I kicked everybody's butt. I practiced so hard. Oh, I hadn't seen him since February. Terry's mom is the one who got him ready for that. Um, found that in a, uh, in a blog from Jordan Bastian, who now, now covers the Cubs on MLB.com. 670, the score is where you are. Matt Spiegel is who you're with. It is hit and run right here on a Sunday morning with you. Taking your phone calls at 312-644-6767 for your Mother's Day stories. And you can text us at 6711. When we come back, also, the details of what the season could look like according to the very latest leaks um, via Ken Rosenthal and Evan Drylick, who have had just about everything over at the Athletic. We'll go over some of that and give you some of the most recent players' reactions, too. That's all coming up right now on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. High fly ball, deep right field. Happy Mother's Day! Guess who wants to use the pink bat again tomorrow? Two thousand six, the Brewers and the Mets. Bill Hall of the Brewers hit a walk-off home run in the tenth inning using a Mother's Day pink bat with his mother in attendance. After the game, he dedicated the home run to her, and then. A week or two later, the Brewers um, found the ball, got the ball back, and, uh, and, and presented it to Bill Hall, had a picture taken with him and the bat and the ball. It's a, a very, very cool video and a cool memory as part of your Mother's Day baseball memories. Um, that, and of course, you'll hear Javier Baez at some point this hour. And hell, let's hear it right now. If we have it, Sean Anderson, I want to hear Javi on, uh, on Mother's Day. That's uh, exactly four years ago today, right? Or, or what, what? Oh, it was the 8th of May. So four years and two days ago today. And that's going to air tonight. That game's going to air tonight. So hear it again in real time. Hear all the tension leading up to it. 
for 13 innings. That's going to air tonight at 7 o'clock. You know what is is amazing, because I often forget it about that game, is that that's also the game where Bryce Harper was walked six times. How many times did they walk him that weekend? Like 11? Something like that. Madden went walk crazy. A lot of times intentional, sometimes just sort of pitching around. And uh, it worked. It absolutely worked. The guy who just did not get enough done that weekend was Ryan Zimmerman. Just did not get enough done um, backing up Bryce Harper for the Nationals. Cubs uh, come back from a big deficit in this game tonight. Well, you should listen. Check it out. Harper had 13 walks in a four-game series, four of them intentional. (laughs) A 789 OBP. (laughs) And yet the Cubs won, what, three out of four? Something like that. They swept him four game series. They swept him. Mm-hmm. Took all four. Took all four. Walked walked him thirteen times. Man, that 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 was during during a solid three year stint where you looked and was like, man, Joe is a genius. It's a genius, right? Everything the dude did. Remember the Joe Madden game with uh, Travis Wood in left field and. You know, pitchers going back and forth from the mound to left field. We called that the Madden game for a while. This thing with with Harper, all the shifts, everything, using uh, turning Trevor Cahill into a late inning reliever, Clayton Richard turning into a cl- late inning reliever. Man, that was fun. Remember when there were actual baseball games and there was an endless stream of highlights and data every day injected into your life to enjoy your companion sport. Yeah, I remember that. That was really nice. Well, it might be coming back. Here's the deal. According to uh, Ken Rosenthal and others over at The Athletic, that the proposal that the commissioner is going to present to the owners tomorrow on a call, tomorrow, Monday, on a call, will include the following details. A regular season beginning in early July, consisting of approximately 80 games. It might not be 80, might be 78, might be 82 but somewhere around there, and a regionalized schedule. Teams would face opponents only from their own division and the same geographic division in the opposite league. So this is not a big revamp of divisions. It's not the Nightingale three-super-division ten-game plan. It's not the Cactus League North and South and, you know, um, Grapefruit League North and South. No, standard divisions... But a 78-game schedule would look like this. Four three-game series against each NL Central opponent for the Cubs, AL Central opponent for the White Sox, and then two three-game series against the opposite league's Central Division. So you're trying to minimize travel as much as possible. The teams would play in as many home parks as possible, with even New York potentially in play by early July. This is where one of the things that gets weird. I mean, it's all weird, of course. It's a weird year. Toronto also might be open by then, writes Rosenthal, although non-essential travel between the U.S. and Canada is restricted through at least May 21st. All travelers to Canada right now are subject to a mandatory 14-day quarantine. So that's until May 21st. This is insane. But here's the thing. Teams who cannot play in their cities temporarily would relocate either to their spring training sites or to major league parks in other parts of the country. Whoa. So major league parks in other parts of the country, would we be talking about, you know, let's say the Yankees and the Mets could not play in the state of New York. 
would they go somewhere else and share a ballpark with another major league park or would they go to Florida, Florida and play down there? Not all clubs like the idea of training in their home parks. A lot of them believe that spring locales offer a less densely populated, more controlled environment. So even this, where the teams would start training and where they would even play their games remains open, as it has to at this point. So you might have a situation. It, is that a level playing field? You really deal with that? Where you've got 20, 24 teams in their home ballparks and then six or eight teams in their spring training facilities if their own states do not reopen enough by July? God. It's a lot to manage. If all of that gets managed and they figure it all out and they play a, a 80 game season or 78 game season, then the playoffs would happen and they would be the expanded version as first reported by Joel Sherman of the New York Post with an increase of from five to seven teams in each league. The team with the best record in each league would get a bye in the wild card round and advance to the division series. The two other division winners and the wildcard winner with the best record would face those bottom three wildcard teams in a best of three wildcard round. So gone is the coin flip game. Here is a best of three for two division winners and the best wildcard getting home field advantage against the bottom three wildcards. Boy, that'd be interesting. And what is home field advantage in that? Is it games two and three? Is it games one and three? Is it games one and two? Then you might have to play the decider on the road. The most fair would be games one and three, right? If need be. But do you want to have that much travel? Are they all? Maybe all of them should be at the uh, division winner or best wild cards stadium. I kind of like that. I don't know what it would be, but maybe all three of them should be there. Because, yeah, you're in, but you don't get a chance to host some games. And then here's the biggest one and uh, the big deadly stopper, potentially. Because games, at least initially, will be played without fans, the players would be asked to accept a further reduction in pay, most likely by agreeing to a set percentage of revenues for this season only. So there you are. There you go. Because they're going to have to negotiate this and they're going to have to battle with this because owners are going to ask players to take less money and the players are not really going to be up for that. I don't think because of a lot of different concerns, they've got safety concerns, completely understandable. None of them are going to come back. If you listen to some of the players, there's a piece on ESPN this morning with the latest response from a few different guys. Uh, executive board member of MLBPA is Chris Iannetta, the Yankees catcher. He did a phone interview and said, look, if there are no fans in the stands, there's an intrinsic risk that players are gonna undertake. There's an intrinsic risk that support staff and coaches are gonna undertake. And we should get fairly compensated for taking that risk for the betterment of the game and the betterment of the owners who stand to make a huge profit off the game. So the players are going to say, look, this is barely safe for us to go back. And they're right. And then they're also going to say that ownership are the ones 
who make so much more money with the postseason. Because there are health risks, yes, but also the players think that owners are going to see profits from television revenues, even without fans, while still being able to pay. They should still be able to pay the full prorated salaries. One source to ESPN said that sharing television revenue with the players will be part of the proposal from the commissioner's office. So this is what's interesting. Are the owners going to open their books more than they ever have before at this unprecedented moment in, uh, quote, these trying times, unquote, trademark pending? So are they going to open their books more than ever before? I think they're going to have to. And if they are going to share television revenue, for the first time, that that would give both sides incentive to increase the amount of playoff teams if they're going to share that postseason television revenue. Postseason revenue from televised games usually goes all to ownership. That's the other big point. Scott Boris made it right here on the score with me and Bruce Levine a few weeks ago. He's been writing about it everywhere, talking about it every chance he gets. And he speaks, remember, for the highest end money makers in the Players Association. So will the owners open up a little bit more? So, very, very interesting. 670, the score is where you are. You can text us at 670-11. If baseball does resume, asked the texter, with this schedule, will the World Series winner and their fan base feel different about their team winning? Probably. Sure. Go ahead. So it's awkward. Embrace the awkward. We don't really have much choice right now if we're going to get this back. And I don't know that it's going to come back. This all might be just pie in the sky. But you're listening to a sports radio talk station. And I am sharing with you what is the very latest. There was a conversation with the, uh, the executive board of the Players Association on Friday. Uh, Rosenthal writes that the owners are going to talk to the commission tomorrow, and then they're all going to have a phone call on Tuesday. I just really want to see them all work together desperately. Can't we all get along? This is a moment. This is a moment right here to show people that you're willing to sacrifice. As Terry Francona said a week or two ago, we played and talked about it. The PR disaster pending of, you know, the, the squabbling, the squabbling from very, very rich people is not going to be received well. I hope they get it going. Happy Mother's Day to you. Phone lines are open if you want to give us your Mother's Day stories of baseball and or softball right here on the score. As we kick around the game, kick around its importance to you, talk about these possibilities. And I don't know what you've been missing the most. I've talked about it quite a bit that what I'm missing so largely is just the companionship of the game, just the constancy of the background noise, believe it or not, the constant subtle hum in the background that is baseball all summer long. It's available from noon or one o'clock every day until midnight or 1 a.m. in the morning every day on your radio, on your TV, just there as part of our lives. And I'm missing that so much. Well, it was back this week. Very, very differently. I want to compare and contrast the experiences of what it might be like soon, what it's already like in other places, and what it has been like in our past lives, and whether you'll be able to sit with that, because that can be difficult. 
It's the score. It's hit and run. It's Matt Spiegel here with you. Hop on in and talk about it at 312-644-6767. Jim Callis at the top of the hour. Your phone calls and texts between now and then. Keep it right here on the score. Home run, Tyler Saladino. Yeah, man. Tyler's a good dude. That's a Tyler Saladino bat crack that just titillates my guy Sean Anderson to no end. Is it the Saladino part of it that gets you or just the crack part of it? What what works for you? Baseball is back. It's Tyler Saladino hitting a home run, and he just murdered the ball right down the left field line. It's just the whole package. So have you woken up and watched it in the middle of the night or early, early morning as it's been on sometimes, Sean? I've been um, mainly catching highlights. Um, haven't yeah. been really waking up early outside of this shift. Um, so whenever yes. I don't have to wake up at 6 a.m., <laughs> not going to yeah. do it. I, uh, look, I'll be honest. I love baseball. I miss it as, as much as any human being could. But I have not prioritized waking up to watch live. And uh, apologies to friend of the show, Boog Shambi who's been doing uh, broadcasts of the game from home along with some ESPN colleagues. Um, it, but I have watched plenty of highlights, read a lot about it, and it's amazing how, how much it is, is infiltrated already. There are KBO fantasy leagues. I know people in Korean baseball organization fantasy leagues. Fangraphs this week debuted Korean baseball organization stats. Full league stats, everybody, every game. It's all right there. It has infiltrated fully. You, you can find highlights. You can hear highlights. You just heard one right there. It's a very odd thing to watch and experience, but it is baseball. I was, I was seeing some Korean fans have driven to the ballparks and sat outside the ballparks with masks on and either a radio or listening on their phone and but really just being close so they could hear the sounds of the game right there outside the stadium, just wanting to be close enough to hear the sounds of the game. That is a, a level of, of commitment and desperation that I find inspiring and just a little troubling. But look, the quiet of the highlights and the games is awkward, but life is awkward. The world is different, right? And I was mentioning some of what we have all missed. Um, I call it the companion sport, the background, the ambiance that joins our spring and summer every year. What a friend of mine likes to call the quiet rumbling of 30,000 people. Because that's what it is. Just the, just the steady kind of rumble right, of people just kind of hanging out and waiting for something to happen. You know what that sounds like at a big league game. Um, I think Sean Anderson has pulled a couple of play-by-plays from MLB games with no announcers, just to remind you of the level of sound. And there are no announcers here. Just, just, just listen and think about what it sounds like. You can play a couple of these, Sean.
so that just the feel and the sound of it, especially in the beginning of those cuts, those first couple of seconds of just before the bat crack and the wave of sound. Here's what it sounds like in the Korean baseball organization. Here's what it sounds like with just ball players, a couple of coaches, some umpires, about six cheerleaders, I think two broadcasters, some camera people, a total of about 60 people, maybe 80 people, somewhere between 60 and 80 people in attendance. This is what the ball games sound like. All right, so imagine a whole summer of that. Imagine Wrigley and Guaranteed Rate mic'd up like that and hearing that. See, you do have the constant subtle hum in the background. You do have just sort of a little bit of a sound there that you'll get used to. You do obviously hear reactions. The wave of emotion and the reactions, it's just, it's a lot more quiet. It's a lot more personal. You can pick out individual voices, but it is, it is the feel of a live event. It's more like going to a game, like going to your stepdaughter's Division Three softball game, or like going to your son's Babe Ruth League game. But it's more personal, isn't it? Think about the stuff that we would learn. We would learn which players are chatty which players are supportive and and active verbally, which players are vile, (laughs) or they'd have to control that. We would hear umpires communicating. We'd hear coaches shouting instructions. And I want to know how this would feel and sound to you now that you're hearing it. Because there it is. Play one of those Korean League ones again, Sean. This is it. This might be as good as it gets. What if this, this summer is as good as it gets? Man, so is that okay? You ready to live with that? How would this option feel and sound to you? 67011 is how you can text. You can call in at 312-644-6767. Taking some phone calls as well on your Mother's Day baseball connections. This is John in Woodstock. John, you're on Hit and Run with me, Matt Spiegel, right here on The Score. Good morning, John. How are you? Good. You be you, man. Love what you do, no matter what. (laughs) Thanks, man. man. Appreciate Appreciate you. Um, So my Mother's Day story is not really about Mother's Day. It's kind of like Terry Francona's story earlier about his mom getting frustrated and upset. Uh, I never hit home runs, uh, basically hit like four when I was in Little League, you know, ever. And uh, she ended up, she used to come to all my games, ended up uh, not coming to a game that my dad and his new wife were at. 
and I hit three in the game. Uh. So she still talks about it to this day. It's like <laughs> one of those things that she just can't forget, ever forget. It's so funny. Oh, man. That's, that's tremendous. Uh, it's, it's too bad you never gave her one, though, right? Never had the chance to, to give her one when she was there? Yeah, yeah. actually, the, the fourth one I hit was later on, and uh, she was there at a travel game. Oh, good. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Mm-hmm. Good. Well, th- thanks for the call, John. Appreciate it. Happy Mother's Day to you and to yours. And thanks for calling. This is Jim in Beverly on 670 The Score. Good morning, Jim. How are you? Good morning, Matthew. Uh, I'm fine. Thank you. Uh, we're blessed. Uh, I'll try to be brief, but it's a rather lengthy story. 1956, my mother uh, and I were the only two White Sox fans living in Humboldt Park. She took me to my first night game. It was against the Red Sox and in an attempt to get me some autographs. We waited until Ted Williams came out of that. And if you remember what that locker room situation was at Comiskey, uh, where they, uh, the home team and visiting team uh, locker rooms kind of adjoined. Mm-hmm. Uh, Williams came down. I was uh, schooled well to be polite, call Mr. Williams, blah, blah, blah. I uh, asked him to sign my scorecard, and uh, he did to me what he did to so many people. He blew me off, and, and kind of uh, <laughs> rudely. So uh, uh-huh. that got the, uh, ire, the Swedish ire of my mother up. And I don't know if I ever considered how young my mother must have been at the time, but she uh, stormed up to him, put a finger in his uh, in his face, and said, you know, I just watched this whole thing. My kid was so polite. He considers you one of his heroes, and for you not to sign his card must make you the most ignorant SOB in the world. Well, fast forward to about 1988. My mom was on her deathbed, hadn't spoken a word in a year. I was being transferred to Mexico from Chicago, and this was going to be the last time I ever saw my mom alive. Again, she had not spoken a a word in a year. And uh, uh, it was my second marriage, and uh, my wife didn't know all my baseball stories. And it was the day, the last time I was to see her was the day that the wrecking ball was hitting old Comiskey. And I got teared up and started telling my mother the story about my mom's influence on uh, my love for the White Sox. And I mentioned the autograph incident, and when I mentioned the Ted Williams' name, my mom grabbed onto my hand, sat up and said, big son of a bitch. Those are only words that she had spoken in a year. And uh, I, I, I met Roland Hemond uh, uh, in 2005, and, uh, and he was a big, well, he knew Williams well, of course. He was a big Bobby Dorr fan, and I told him the story. And he winked at me the way Roland does. And he said, you know, Jimmy, your mom was right, right from the start. He's a big ignorant (laughs) SOB. So uh, God bless our moms, Matthew. And uh, and, and, then my mom's the one that probably called the greatest, uh, at least the greatest left-handed hitter in baseball history, uh, a big ignorant SOB. uh, Oh, uh, uh, that is beautiful. She had your back. She had your back, Jim. She had your back back then and all the way to the end. I love that that's what triggered somehow the emotions in there to make her pop up and speak her first words in a year. Oh, God, that's amazing. And Williams was an SOB, unfortunately. Brilliant SOB. Maybe the greatest hitter who ever lived was way ahead of his time. Everything that's happening even right now in baseball can be uh, traced back to Ted Williams' uppercut swing in a lot of ways. God, that's a great story. Thank you, Jim.
Appreciate it. Listening to Hit and Run on 670, the score. Asked you what you thought of the sound of the games and how it would be for fanlessness, hashtag fanlessness, if baseball comes back in that way. One texture says, maybe I'm in the minority, but I think it's awesome. I wouldn't want it forever, but for one season, hell yeah, let's go. No, I think it's great too. I think it's an opportunity. I think it is a serious broadcast opportunity. And that's the way that, of course, you should look at it if you get the opportunity to be part of some games in any way. I don't think you need more mics. You might need less mics, but get ready to acknowledge all of those little sounds that we hear. This texture says that their baby's nighttime sound machine has an option called ball game. And it's just the murmur of a crowd during the game. That is phenomenal. Could you send that? Could you send me one of those, please? Sean in Countryside says he watched the UFC fight last night with no crowd, and it was awesome. You could hear every punch, every grunt. Definitely different, but it's kind of cool. And as this texture said, knowing it's live and you don't know what's coming makes that background noise mean a lot more. You can't just have a recording of it and be satisfied. No, absolutely. That's the whole thing, is that it's filled with tension and possibility. When the game means more, when it's tighter, it's even more filled with tension and possibility. I always think of game three of the 2016 World Series, the first Cubs, the first World Series game at Wrigley in, in all those years. And Kyle Hendricks was so good, but it was a one nothing game. And every pitch of that entire game had tension because it was never more than a one-run game. The tying or leading run was never further away than at the plate. And every sound, every moment had that tension. Yes, that is the unparalleled, unrecreatable option that we're all missing so much. Let's talk about some incredibly short-sighted decisions that the MLB owners have made, why they're making it, and what effect it will have on the game this year and into the future. We'll do that next with Jim Callis of MLB Pipeline. You're listening to Hit and Run right here on 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 